Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's the Diddy. That's the Diddy NFL. I get so carried away with that's the Diddy part, though, that sometimes yeah. people just tag at's the Diddy and it ain't me. And I can't, I've only myself to blame. Oh, poor, poor at's the Diddy, you know, sitting in Detroit or wherever he is, mm. you know. Yeah, don't worry. It's the wrong Steve Diddy. I know, yeah. it's annoying too because I'd like that handle. But um, I think he's one of these guys who set himself up in 2013 thinking, I'm going to change the world. And then... That's like that guy. Do you remember the guy that changed, like, it was a 20th Century Fox. He, he bought the rights <laughs> to 21st Century Fox. Yeah. You know, that's not how it works, mate. They're not going to change a name that's so famous just because it's slightly out of date. Don't be so silly. But they did. You silly They Billy. did, though, didn't they? They are 21st Century no. Fox now, aren't they? Oh, I don't Look know. I can't remember. That's like the Washington... Football <laughs> team, the what the f? Are we gonna start calling them? Are we gonna start calling them the commies? The commies yeah. That would really annoy them. Oh, that would really. You annoy just them. know, you know where they always do that. Like anytime sort of racism comes up or kneeling for the anthem, and they always have like some guy. It's the same faces that come up all the time about like who are gonna object on Twitter. There's one of those guys in his wraparound sunglasses, in his trucker hat, in his truck, listening to this. And when you say the Washington commies, like I don't agree with that, and he's gonna yeah. make it all. He's gonna he's upset. gonna follow us on the Twitter and uh, give us a lot of abuse, and then I will mm. block him as I do. But anyway, there we go. Uh, oh, anyway, I'm back out of my hole in the ground. Sorry, I uh, where I was hermiting in my hermitage after the uh, that's French for hermitage, by the way. Don't look don't it, no, don't look it up. Um, don't look it up. Yeah, uh, but yes, I was in my hermitage growing out my beard, which you can see is very deliciously grey. Very beardy, it yeah. it's beautiful, isn't yeah. it? It's very grey. It's yeah. it's it's not even it's not even that fashionable salt and pepper grey. Although do you know what I've noticed? The new metrosexual is now is to have a beard or long hair with a little bit of grey, and then what the guys do is they go and get the grey put through it. Oh, like what the what the in the design? What the what f? the f? But um, I remember, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm out of I'm out of my glass cage of emotion. Uh, I'm still not happy about what happened. <sighs> I'm still not happy that the Super Bowl is not over because it hurts me. It's painful. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I just love that about the Lions. They're so bad. And that's actually a good talking point for a little bit later. I guess what we're going to talk about in this podcast, Daryl, is along those lines is, is quarterbacks and its legacy and it's Aaron yeah, Rodgers' legacy in particular. Is. Now, we can venture if we want, but we don't want to put people to sleep about the whole, you know, off-field stuff. But we're more so going to focus on the on the on-field stuff. But what was really interesting was, is I put out a tweet, but there's, there's one thing that I have to mention, because you know when you hear something funny and you just want to pass it on to other people? And I think about this almost daily. Uh, Joan was playing one of her podcasts, right? And tell me, is there what is it about people or has there been something with someone that's giving you the ick? I know there was that girl in college who sat down on a windy day and there's that whole story. You know, it's one of those stories. Like, has anybody, what does someone have to do that you go, stop doing that? Well, the, the, the worst thing, and I still, I think about this more than I should think about this, but the girl I shared an office with, she always had a heater on under her desk. This is years ago now, and back in the cold, cold Dublin. And she used to uh, have a heater under her desk and it was a, the office was always piping hot as a result but I remember the day she was wearing her tights and she took off her shoes and went oh my god my feet are stinking and I just had to stand oh up straight god. away and just leave the office and go and have a lie down I yeah. I can't I can't get over it you and I don't deal with feet very well yeah mine's kind of dirty runners or something but feet is most upset I remember being in the bar working in the bar as a, as a teenager as you do Ireland and um 
Yeah, these girls start talking about corns on their feet and they're like, you know, when your feet Yuck. get all red and they had this like full blown and all mushy. And I was like, oh, what are yuck. we doing? What are we doing? Oh, yeah. But the funniest one I've heard is it was on her podcast. It's um, what's your one's name? Vogue Williams. Is that her name? And this other comedian. Is that a real name? Uh, was she actually? I think she was. Vogue? I think she was actually thing? christened Vogue. Oh, but she played this part for me and I was creasing myself laughing. It was about um. What gives girls the ache about guys? And all of these girls then start sending in their stuff about what gives them the ache. And one of them was is that she went out and she really fancied this guy. She went on at a date with him and she got into his car and they were driving somewhere after. But he couldn't merge into the other lane. And he was trying to get in for ages. And after that, she just completely gave her the ache and turned her off. It's <laughs> 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 just the fact that he hadn't got the balls to merge into a traffic lane. Oh, I just love that. Like, you'd imagine oh. it's like nose picking yeah. or smelly feet or, you know, whatever. But like, not, able, not able to able merge. To like, this guy, this guy. <laughs> it's just not The only thing I demand. Do you enough. like tall guys? No, no. I, yeah. I need guys that can merge quickly and decisively. Yeah. Within, a, I mean, I within at least so many car lengths. You can get it, though. Get you it. can almost hear him go, oh, oh sorry. Oh. And trying to get out oh. and struggling and he's losing her with every tut that's class oh, amazing so it's just I think about that every time I pull into the traffic now I'm like oh my god so do you I bet you you're, you're one of these guys that merge right oh, quickly, straight you know, out like in order to oh. cause 17 car piles oh. and then Jones going you're yeah. my hero and you're going damn right oh, I am manly. baby but uh, you know what I could relate to it because it's people like that that you know it's like what you the Enron guy Jeffrey Skilling he used to say about people he liked people with spikes. Now he ended up in jail and then having a heart attack and died. But anyway, yeah, like you know, apart from, apart from that. Well, I'm, I mean, I like to look at myself as very well balanced. I have a chip on each shoulder. Both. Hey. <laughs> anyway, we're we talking about a rod. Yeah, go on. I've been thinking about this when I was in the hole in the ground. I was thinking about it when you, we were talking about legacy. And I think before you get to the question you posed on the UK Packers, uh, the the I was sitting in my hole and I was thinking about it. Going. What is his legacy? We talked about his legacy and I've clicked a lot of articles about legacy, but what I think it boils down to for me is this. He is an MVP in the regular season. He is not an MVP in the uh, playoffs. And I think he overthinks it. And I think that's his legacy. His legacy is he's a fantastic man inside in your in your season. But as soon as you leave the season, he overthinks it. He overexits. Um, and I look back at the, the highlights a few times now from my pains. You know, whenever I felt the happiness creep back in, I just watched the highlights. But it is one of those things, and there was a number of times what A-Rod was doing was he was going for these hero passes. He was going for these fantastic things, trying to, you know, find Adams when there's five guys on him, as opposed to going the easy route. And I just find that maybe he was overthinking it a bit. Yeah. Uh, But I still think it goes back to the point you made in the last podcast along the lines of, I think the lads, and they'll never say this, but I think the lads did look beyond this game. Oh, yeah. And I think they got stung for that. I think they looked and went, these 49ers are useless, they're crap, they're not going any further, and we'll just let's dispatch them and get on with it. Yeah. Uh, they didn't give them the respect they deserved, and to be fair, we got punished for it, as simple as that. But that is a fault with the LaFleur teams, because the thing is, is that's what I'd said in the podcast prior, and I hate those, well, as I said before, and listen to me as I fix my spectacles. Um, but that's what I did say, is that you know if they lose this game, all eyes are kind of on Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur, because this is one of those things, it's a guilt-edged opportunity. It's like a, mm. you know, like they were the number one seed, and any tool out there is like, oh, like, you start going, yeah, well, a broken clock is right twice a day, you know, like you can sort of say like, oh, they're going to be tougher than you think. That's an easy thing to say. However, on paper and by the way they played and the injuries that the Niners carried in, all of that pointed towards that this was the Packers <laughs> game to lose and lose they did. But you know, but you know what's interesting, Darla? This is what kind of 
stood out from my question and I guess the two of them are kind of linked forever now you've looked at uh, McCarthy's decisions in the NFC Championship game you've looked at that we lost the coin toss so that's how we lose uh, that Aaron Rodgers didn't get back on the field in overtime and Arizona and all that kind of stuff and then you look at oh the defense gave up too many points and that was the problem and everyone always had an excuse for Aaron Rodgers and it, and the thing was is it it held weight because they are real things I mean yeah. if you don't have a defense yeah, yeah. you're screwed if you don't you know and that was always the stat They'd look at Brady, they'd look at Rodgers, and they'd say, oh, well, look, Brady had top 10 defenses, look what he could do. And then they'd point at Rodgers' defenses and say, oh, he won that Super Bowl that year because he had a top 10 defense and all this type of stuff. And then there was all of this, like, did they pick up players throughout the season for Rodgers? They've never helped him out in that regard. He hasn't got any weapons. And then he was a number one scoring offense last year. And then coming into this year, he retained some of those weapons, weren't the number one scoring offense, but did damn well. And he's the MVP. So... Now it looked like, all right, and then the defense stepped up. So what that strangely has happened uh, or has made happen is that people look at it and go, oh, I guess this one was kind of his fault. And yes, you can lay it at the feet of special teams and they actually contributed real solid. Oh, they really points. did. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But at the same time, if you cannot, uh, you know, overcome 13 points at home in Lambeau in the playoffs, coming yeah. off a bye, yeah. all yeah, of yeah. those things. You don't deserve it. Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't, you, it, like. you don't. And that's what makes it painful, Daryl. But that's why people now, it's like that phrase and it's very tired and worn out now at this stage, but it's like that phrase, you know, you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. And that's what's kind of happened mm. with Aaron Rodgers. Is that had he left Green Bay and not come back in the offseason, you know, Gutekunst would be dead to people. The whole organization would be pointed at as if they don't know what they're doing. But he stayed an extra year. Strangely, he's become the MVP, as you said, of the regular season. Um, but his performance in the playoffs has made people go, oh, hang on a minute. And that's the same as mm. Brady and Belichick and Brady left and oh, Belichick yeah. tanked and they went, oh, 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 can we talk about Brady in a minute? Can we? Can we? Oh, can we? But anyway, it makes me feel better. Yeah. It makes me feel better. Oh, no, but I, I completely take your point on that one. And I think that's I think that's where his legacy is going. I think that's what people are going to say. And weirdly enough, what this actually does is it actually binds the rest of the organization together. Because to follow on from the point you just made, if A-Rod had a left last season and left us in the lurch basically the whole place would have been in disarray would Goody still be there who knows who knows what would have happened Mm. but in a weird way what's actually ended up happening here it's all crystallizing now where everyone's going yeah special teams were crap but you don't lose a game because of special teams you know oh the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders oh the defense was good but it wasn't great in a weird way as you say he's been there long enough now that everyone's starting to go actually hang on a minute we've ran out of excuses now maybe like Jessica Fletcher when she's going finding out all these murders right everywhere she goes no one ever points at Jessica (laughs) Fletcher seriously I wouldn't let that woman anywhere near my town because every time she goes somewhere someone dies and no one goes hang on a minute her? What's she doing here? But look at the name of a murder she wrote. I mean, is that not just yeah. telling you that she's like, yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> Jessica, she's... and if the, Come on. So I have a feeling eventually people have gone, hey, hang on a minute. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not laying it on. We're not laying all the blame on Aaron Rodgers here. But I think you do have to say that this probably does land for, squarely at his feet this time. And there was lots of contributing factors. It's not that simple. No. But I think as an organization, I think the Packers are looking quite well, you know, as an organization, looking down at me, like I think the, the most telling thing I've seen with all the clickbait I've been clicking um, is that he stays behind in Green Bay, doesn't fly off to go climbing mountains and think about himself. He sits there going, what are we going to do? He says he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Fine, all that sort of stuff. But he stays, his body language now, and what he's actually doing, and you're the body language expert, of course. but what he's actually doing in it here is 
he's actually he's got a mop in his hands and maybe he's ready to mop this up maybe he's ready to figure out what he can do and i'm actually more confident now that he might hang around is that good who knows but it's one of those things that you know he was down on the organization this time last year and now he's actually maybe he's put his hands up and said mea culpa guys uh you know what can we do what can we do yeah. to try and fix this like he stood around he, like he stayed around long enough it's it's such a weird dynamic which is why last year was one of those really weird years but yeah weird year the weird weird is that like he stood around long enough for Gudekunst to prove himself almost right yeah you know had yeah. uh, but it's so strange how these things happen in history where had he left a year ago you know, the whole narrative would be completely different. But oh, completely different. It seems yeah. the excuses have kind of fallen away. But I said it about him on, and I, I just don't. We've done hundreds of episodes, but I'd love to go back and find it where I always thought he would retire at the height of his game. Like I, I said, mm. if he won a Super Bowl, he'd probably just dip out. Um, and I think that's the case. I think if he was to win one, I don't think he'll do it this time around because it'll be seen as not on his terms. But Daryl, I, I put it out on the Twitter and on Facebook. Because as you said about clickbait, there's so much media crap out there. There's some guy talking about, because I flippantly put it out when news sort of dropped about he's staying around Green Bay and it looks more sort of solid that he's going to stay. And I was like, yeah, well, that's fine. But have you spoke to his, you know, yeah. his house cleaner? Has he, has or, he renewed his golf? Yeah, golf. Has he renewed his <laughs> golf fees? <laughs> uh, which is just, you know, and that, but that, sadly, sadly, that's what we were talking about this time yeah. last year. Yeah, it was. And we're, we're back at it again. But it just seems more realistic almost this time. Last year was the sort yeah. of shock factor. It was oh, the so surreal. sting and so surprise. Surreal. Yeah, well, this time it's more like, all right, look at the age he is, uh, the failing, you know, people are placing on him. But also, Daryl, like I said in, in last week's podcast, right? you know Aaron Rodgers is uh, the best to ever do it more than likely right and you can sort of you know there's so many different metrics and it is objective which is why people headbutt each other in sports mm. bars but I mean you know stat wise and all this type of stuff he's the guy's incredible but if you can't win a Super Bowl with him um, well then what's the point so look at for instance look at exactly what as we said earlier Matt Stafford right or sorry mm. Matt, yeah, Matthew yeah. as he wants to be known um, is he Matthew now oh no yeah. Matt we can't be friends a couple mate. of years ago that's when his career took off when they you know they put that actually Thew on the end of his name Thew um, so with him he was with the Lions and they basically couldn't win a game he was getting clobbered the whole time now he's with the Rams and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl so you'd sort of go alright is it the quarterback is it the team? Does that prove that Matt Stafford, that the Lions are a lost cause? Probably. Does it prove that yeah. you can have a fantastic quarterback, but just sometimes the tools around him aren't enough to bring him there? You know, is it circumstance? Is it coaching? Is it, you know, it, that raises more questions for me than what it answers. But it just means that Rodgers could go away and get buried on a Lions-like team. And of course, that's blasphemy to some people. And they'll say, how dare you say that about Rodgers? He's no Matt Stafford. He's a blah, blah, blah. And I get that, right? He's, he's a fantastic quarterback. But the thing is, is that, you know, with all of this clickbait and, and people jumping into it, what I wanted to know what how people felt about it and get that barometer mm. is to say, what do you think would happen? So the tweet was, let us know as diehard Packer fans and not clickbait media, what is your gut feeling about Rodgers on this offseason? Does he stay? Does he go? And what outcome do you want to see? And that seems to be the part that people focused on. And it, what it comes down to, Daryl, is this, is that, you know, last year was the year that we could run it back. Bring people back, uh, you know, get a king's ransom for Rodgers if that's the way it was going. He was annoyed at the organization. The organization obviously wanted to turf him out in some regard mm. uh, to do something. Yeah. Like, does it even make sense to bring him back if it's only for one more year? Because if you look at the books and the situation they're in, they're quarterbackless, you know. And I guess before I, I, I drill into that and, and to sort of get people off my voice, um, 
what's your answers to that, Daryl? I mean, where do you see it going? What do you want to happen? And do you think that his legacy is any different now based on last year and what the Packers go on and do? Is it easier to have that goodbye now? I just don't know. That's my honest answer. I just, yeah. I've been going over and over and over this. Um, I don't like the words rebuild because I don't actually think we're in a rebuild phase. I What I am worried about is all these free agents and all these people that are out of contract and I'm worried about the cap. And I know we're not getting into that in this episode, but there's so many unknowns out there that were the team to stay roughly as it is, special teams aside, which... Uh, you know, we might get on to Drayton later. Mm. I love that as well. Source says that Morris Drayton may not be on the way out. What's your source? Watching the games. <laughs> um, but one of those things of, like, I'm worried about that sort of thing. I just don't think the team is in a bad way. It's inexplicable how they went out this year. There was no excuse for it. It makes me still, like, I'm still sort of gutted. Mm. And I don't know. And I just think if the team stays roughly as it is, you know, could is Aaron Rodgers the right man to be standing there? He's to be fair, he's almost proven he can't do it in the postseason. He can't do it in the playoffs. I don't know if having him there for another year is going to make any difference. Is it time? Is Jordan Love the future? I don't know. Are we going to be useless without Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Mm. People's people's talked about how oh you know once we get rid of Favre we're going to be we're going to be in the doldrums for years and maybe that's just take our scold now. I don't know. Do we start? I don't like the word rebuild. Do we get another quarterback? Is is love the answer? I don't know. Um, do we do we buy someone else to get rid of Aaron Rodgers now? I've no idea. What way is the cap going to work out? Can we afford him? Can we afford anybody? Uh, you know, if Adams goes and Rogers goes, what what's the team going to look like then? I just think the team is in a good place if it was to stay exactly as it is. But I don't know if Rogers is the answer in the in the in the postseason. I don't know. Look what Stafford now. Look what Stafford's doing. Does he have any right to do that? No, he doesn't. Yeah, like you look at it and you look at the interception machine stuff that he was coming out with. I, again, it's it is uh, almost impossible to know because you know we keep him and we don't get the draft capital for him and then you're like cool so we ran it back for one year and, and torpedoed yeah. so many picks yeah but there's people are not going to be happy but it was really interesting there the response yeah. weirdly it, what, what know, was the response it was overwhelmingly people saying it's time to move on which is yeah. b- bananas right but what i will say is is for every person or every let's say every five people that say it's time to move on move on uh, there's one person that will turn around and go oh well, I hope you're happy then when we stink and you're like, you're, you're like oh, yeah, we're gonna dude, it's like, almost can we just get it done it's gonna happen right and I almost get the impression and I kind of agree my initial reaction was let's just rip the plaster off now hmm. let's free up some space let's buy some new talent let's see if we can get a quarterback out there it doesn't necessarily have to be Jordan Love is there someone else floating around at the end of this season who knows it's one of those things I'd almost wish there was a transfer window for quarterbacks like the, you know say soccer like transfer window yeah. do you know that but it's one of those things of we're limping on here anyway. This, this to me was my one more year. This was the last shot. This was the magic dust season and I kind of built it up in my head that way and it looked that way. I mean, it, all the signs were pointing to the stars, right? Mm. This was the prophecy being fulfilled. But maybe this isn't the prophecy. Maybe he isn't the golden one. Maybe there's another one out there and there obviously is. There will be again. But I'm sort of thinking, do we limp on for another year? And, and you know, what's the difference between being second and being fifth? There's none. You don't have a Super Bowl. It doesn't mm, matter. A, wor- a so worse draft. I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> that's yeah, all like we've I'm been just getting. Sort of thinking, yeah, yeah, and that's all we're going to... And that's when I'm kind of thinking, do we give it another go for another year with less money? Crap drafts. And we just keep limping on and do this again. I don't want to come second again, or third or fourth, whatever the bloody hell we are. It's one of those things of, you know, of course you want a Super Bowl. We could have had a Super Bowl this year. It obviously didn't work. Is he the right man? I don't know. Maybe just get rid of him now. Maybe that's the way you go and you start rebuilding. And yes, we're going to be crap probably. 
Yes, mm. we're gonna we're gonna go through a stage where we're gonna rebuild, but that's just the way it's gonna be. But it's not because put it this way: are, are we gonna win a Super Bowl with the way we are now? Don't think so. Yeah, look, and that's the thing is that it's look. We know after Aaron Rodgers, it's gonna be painful, and no one in here who was sort of saying, "Look, it's time to move on." They were coming up with a nice uh, blurb yeah, as to yeah. why. Um, so all of these people pointing and going because it's so easy it's like what I said uh, last week it's those people that don't vote in elections and then blame everybody else when it goes tits up mm. it's kind of like well, we don't really have a choice and look it's he's at coming to the back nine of his career it depends on what he wants to do what the organisation wants to do yeah. either way Daryl it, it's sort of it's like you know when you go on holidays and you've got two weeks and the first week you know you don't even think about leaving and then it's when you even though you're on a permanent holiday in the Caymans but when you for normal people who uh, incorrect who don't incorrect in tropics, um, who um, you know, once you get to that sort of third, second last, third last day. Oh, it's the Wednesday. It's the oh, Wednesday of the second week. It's brutal. Oh, I start getting. I start getting to depression. Yeah, you start getting nostalgia. Yeah. You get blue about it, and but it's coming. And the thing is, is you can't stop it from coming now. And yes, a storm could hit, and the you know the plane can't take off because of volcanic ash or some lark, and then you're stuck there for another week. But that's a total bonus. But you know, you, you don't sort of say, oh well, I think we should go home a day early, and some go, oh, yeah, I hope you're happy when Ireland's raining, and, and you're like, oh look, it's gonna happen now or literally a year time, two years time, who knows? But here's some of the responses to this, and um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if people listen to the pod, they want to text in or tweet in or email in or whatever and just give us your opinions as well and we'll address that on the next podcast um deagle martin uh good feeling he is done and wants a shot somewhere else before he retires let's get some draft picks and move on uh matt agrees with him adam says that he stays we make the draft all about him and tay stays as well um now i don't know whether that's sort of wishful thinking but there are some stuff they can maneuver around with the mm, cap yeah, yeah but there was a story that came out from a not very reputable source as usual uh, who said that tay wants to be paid 30 million and i saw a bit of ire daryl thrown his way but he wants <sighs> yeah. he's he said he wants look he's the best wide receiver in the league in our opinion yeah um he wants to be paid as the best wide receiver in the league he can't i don't think he can be grudged don't blame him on that. that so don't blame him for that no you've got a finite career he could get injured and never play again so you got to make your money while you yeah, can and he's being smacked in the head a bunch of times uh you know there are a couple of years years ago he just kept getting hit in the head so i mean look i i don't begrudge the guy i don't think because all of this stuff as well you know this kissing the badge stuff we're fans that's what we do but players don't sort of go oh do you know what i'm going to give up 15 million for me and my family that's legacy money uh just because yeah. you know yeah. mary and sheboygan well, wants me to stay so it's a bit it's different if it's different if you're a, a, a like a, a childhood fan and you see that the odd time where there are players i mean i suppose one that sticks out is a bit like messi he had such loyalty to his badge but you know at the end of the day he still left yeah so it's one of those things of it is personal circumstance you, you know you're not wedded to these organizations the way the fans are uh, and yet some fans are wedded to the players and i've noticed that over the amount of abuse we got over aaron Rodgers, where basically yeah. people were following him around and i'm going that's fine that you're a different type of fan we're we're packers fans um and we'll support them through thick and thin. Yeah. Uh, we're not, again, as always, we're not always pro the organisation. Um, no. But it is one of those things. We support that team. Yeah. Regardless of who's in it. Yeah, and I know people tend to say that. And it's always that. I've, it's really irritates me now. You know, when people put out that meme with the umbrella. Is that, all oh, just because I'm mad at you doesn't mean I don't love you. And he's like covering the Packer symbol with the umbrella from the rain or something. You know, look, we get it. All right, you're a fan. You're a fan. People fan in many different ways. Um, but yeah, that's the part that I don't uh, really get is people that can't, 
Because one, I saw that and there was a, there's a video that goes around. It's that guy who's in the Drake video. He does all these really funny uh, videos and memes and stuff. He's become kind of famous now. Um, but he goes, what do you mean by that? That one. And it's just some guy put out like, oh, all of this dirt thrown on Aaron Rodgers' name. I'll always be an Aaron fan, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, going, all right, like we all have our idols and we all That's support fine. people. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's not being able to admit sometimes when something that they said or did, you're like, eh, don't agree with it. Like, because no one's perfect. And that's the whole point. But anyway, uh, Damoff uh, says, uh, personally, I'm confused about my feelings on the situation. Aaron is no doubt a legend, but after so many years of failing to get to the Super Bowl, when do mm. we say thank you for everything, Aaron? We love you, but it's time for a change. Do we keep flogging the same dead horse in the hope that it finally makes it over the hedge? Jordan Love can come in, but we won't be the same team. And we were... Uh, that we were so it does it become a rebuild situation with the cap do we think our best chance of winning the Super Bowl or whatever yes do we necessarily think that you know but that's the whole point is that you you know the drop off and play between Aaron Rodgers and anybody else any mere mortal is going to be quite stark Um, but if you cannot win the race either way and, and his thing. time's coming to What's an end anyway. yeah it's, it's tough isn't it you know, yeah, it is tough. It's one of those things. And to be honest, I think the decision is going to... He'll make his decision right. And he'll make it based on what he thinks is best for him. That's fine. I ever think the rest of the decisions are probably going to make based on the cap. Um, you know, we're way over. We're second highest cap to try and sort out. So in a lot of ways, what we want and what the organization wants, they're, it's going to be dictated by cold, hard spreadsheets. Yeah. On a manky, manky Excel spreadsheet. And anyone who likes Excel is a wizard in my book oh thanks it's nonsense it's witchcraft you. yuck e- yuckity yuck equals v lookup bracket um but yuck. It's, you know what you know you can do you know you can do like <laughs> formulae on them you can add things up on them and what is this witchcraft it's so weird when what is when this? i deal with it all the time and then someone who's like doesn't deal with excel spreadsheets at all nope. sends you a word doc with numbers to. in it or yeah, an excel and it's like equals this plus this plus this plus this and you're kind of like no that's what i will do it. i i will send you if you convert your excel into a word table i will accept that all lawyers accept that i don't trust any lawyer that understands excel or even wants to know about it i can't even spell it yeah anyway rant over um well to go to show you how manky that spreadsheet's gonna be zach cruz brought out an article on packers wire yeah, right so that's like yeah, yeah. 13 things the packers need to do and it's like it was, do you want to hear them yeah I'll, sack everybody pretty much <laughs> i'll run through it right extend or trade aaron Rodgers. restructure david yeah. bakhtiari release sadarius yeah. smith restructure Kenny yeah. Clark, release or extend Preston Smith, extend Jair Alexander, release Randall Cobb, release or restructure Amos, release or restructure Crosby, release or restructure Lewis, you see where this is going, restructure, release yeah. or Dean Bloody Lowry. Uh, rest- Dean oh. Bloody Lowry. Well, that's Dean fair Lowry. enough. Go for it. Go for it with Dean. I'm no, he's so well, a great he? player. Restructure or release Billy Turner, restructure Aaron Jones, and then it's... Uh, and and thin, uh, but they're all basically just. You could have. You could. Ju- what that basically means is take a bazooka and fire it at the Packers building, and that's that's what we're gonna have to do. I probably should have named the people we are not releasing or restructuring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, would have been easier. Would have been quicker. Yeah. So I mean, to be honest, I have a feeling this is where this is going. It's gonna come down to cold, hard business. Yeah. Uh, and we've got to get the cap down. So I have a feeling the team's gonna look different regardless. I still think though, the bones of the team is gonna stay there. The bones of the the, the the good offense, the good def well, what is becoming a very good defense, a good old stiff D is gonna be there. Oh. What we're gonna miss is we're gonna we're probably not gonna have the throwing arm and we're gonna have to deal with that. If that's a couple of years of pain, put it this way, we're never gonna be the Bears and we're never gonna be the Lions. So No, not in name anyway. Do you know because why? Be, because the Bears suck. They do. They do. Matt Snyman put out a tweet just saying uh Matt. Uh, I love that as well is that when we put out was it someone put out uh, what was it someone interviewed him was it uh, NFL Ireland or something like that oh no well, not NFL, NFL Irish show 
Um, and they put out that they were interviewing him ahead of the game and we were like, oh, great match night. But you had the comments underneath going, did anyone else read that in the lads' podcast voice? Cause, uh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you have to. You got it. If we get him on, do you think do you think he'll take it well? We had him on before, but look, the, the beauty of it is, right, is that he does not listen to our podcast. Well, what? Maybe not. That might come as a shock. But uh, yeah, if we get him on, uh, we have to say it. Because I know Aaron Rodgers definitely listens. Virtual face. Oh yeah, of course he listens, yeah. Well, maybe his agent's, agent's, agent's second cousin's best friend's boyfriend's sister mm. listens to it. So that's good enough. Yeah. A couple of removes. And they knock on Aaron Rodgers' library and ask him. Could you stop reading for a second, Aaron? Yes. Um, but put, come here. Put down that horse paste. Do you know what else is uh, resurfaced moving swiftly on? Is that someone said, oh, I, I didn't know... Um, that the Packers drafted a serial killer. And funnily enough, ah, yeah, I actually yeah, did a whole yeah, podcast yeah. on it. And I listened to it again today, strange as that is. It must sound like a proper weirdo in my office listening to myself. Um, but there's worse things you could do by yourself. So, you know, Randy Woodfield um, drafted <laughs> in the 70s. I mean, you're going to grow up. You're going to grow up to be a serial killer with that name, seriously. Yeah. But it just, it was so grisly and so manky and so dark and i remember i even say it on the podcast like oh even talking about this i want to kind of wash myself off the guy was a weirdo um you know just indecent exposure from a very young age uh the whole way up his life was just a, an absolute dumpster fire so i think what i'll do is is that this podcast is we can't say dumpster fire it's far too it's far too americana for dumpster. me um, it's shit show shit show yeah so but just the guy was just heinous like it's just dark there's a documentary kind of made about him it was like a little mini film there's a book written about him Ugh. the i5 killer so what i'll do is i'll tack on it is very interesting though oh, yeah tack it on that would be brilliant. i'll tack it on and um, because some people yeah. have asked for it now i retweeted and uh, put it out again on the link but the link if you were to find it in the feed it'd be quite far back so the end of this podcast will be that podcast again so it's kind of like a twofer but just oh incredible stuff there and the weird the really eerie sick part about it all is is that whereas the Packers he was a fleet like scouts don't remember him Cliff Crystal interviewed him but like people he was so far down on the depth chart and no one yeah. cared um, that they don't remember him and they don't associate him obviously as you wouldn't want to with the organisation but in his life the Packers draft was the be-all be and end-all of his whole thing and they found him and on his person was this ticket stub the plane ticket to Green Bay that they paid for him to go first class. Now, he, oh he ended up driving there and uh, allegedly he uh, performed one of his disgusting uh, assaults and murders on the way to Green Bay, Jesus. which is just unbelievable stuff. But yeah, he was, and he describes himself, he started a MySpace page and on his MySpace page, he describes himself as an ex-packer draftee and all this type of stuff and that you know the only reason that he wasn't with the organization was because his talent wasn't needed because we're going a different way so he you know while showing no oh, remorse God. for up to one of the most prolific if not the most prolific serial killer when you look at the likes of ted bundy and some other wisconsinite uh murderer um and cannibal and then you look at him and uh, apparently has a body count of about 44 people um He's only got charged for one and an attempted of another one because it would take too much money and re-traumatize the victims to sort of go back into it, apparently. But they said if he ever goes up for parole, they'll start throwing the book at him with that type of stuff. But just a wild part of Packers history. So if you're interested, stay on the line and I'll pop that on at the end. But there you go. Anyway, uh, is there anything else you want to say or forever hold your pee? No, uh, no, no. I'm, all I'm saying is I'm back on the road to recovery. I'm going through the various stages of grief. Mm. I have left the hermitage much to my wife's annoyance because she was quite happy with me living in a hole in the garden. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. But you know what? It worked. I, think, I don't know if she likes you very much. Do you know what we should do though? I think um, we should do this for 
maybe I don't know whether it's therapeutic or whether it's actually severely damaging but I would love to sit down again and collectively watch and record you know footage and audio of us re-watching that NFC championship game I think I need to do it again <laughs> do you have the bleep machine because I swear to god the amount of bleeps that are going to come out of that oh. and even in even when I was watching it in real time oh it was it's just, I was speaking like a pirate. It's just a disbelief for me. It was just a, and every time they show it, and they, you know, someone delightfully released a video of all of the um, playoff failings, and just that one where I think it isn't a Tremont Williams or yeah, Tremont Williams. Yeah, I think is he's hanging off. We so uh, know, like the player in the end zone, and it's just, I just, I just can't, I can't even. Yeah, what the absolute? Because because I want to compare if that loss to the Niners is comparable because to me it is but I think that's just time and I think if I watch back the NFC Championship game I won't feel as bad about the Niners loss uh, I actually think you're right uh, but anyway maybe maybe let's park that we, that's a good idea it's a good idea let's stick a pin in it put it out for a watch party can you imagine how depressing that would be <laughs> hi my name's Daryl and I'm a Packers addict hi Daryl hi no. Amazing. Right, shall we leave it there at Steedy the NFL? Stay on for yeah, uh, that Grizzly episode. Uh, but until next week. No, or not. Or not. Or, or not. not. Yeah, just, you know, don't listen to it with kids in the car. Or kids Don't look up. it up. Uh, yeah, or, well, look it up then. If you're I'll probably look it up. Yeah. So, anyway. Go back, go. <laughs> so usually I have my jingles and, you know, a bit of comedy, a bit of lightheartedness, uh, some Packers news. But this was something that I stumbled across during the week. Someone on Twitter, I don't know who it was, um, put this up and I looked at the tweet and I was like, nah, no, I've never heard of that. That's not a thing. And I looked it up and it's totally a thing. The Packers drafted one of the most notorious serial killers in US history, Randy Woodfield. So I'm going to tell the story of him uh, coming to Green Bay and what he went on to do. Now, from the outset, you know, there's conjecture, there's allegedness all over the place about when uh, Randy Woodfield's crime spree started and there's cold cases that he's been pulled up on and some of that stuff from doing my research for this podcast is really surprising. But one thing uh, that is for sure that I've read about is that there's two very conflicting um, opinions. One from the Packers who, you know, say they don't remember him. Um, those that do remember him and, you know, Cliff Crystal even interviewed him when he was a rookie. Um, you know, not enough that people remember him. He was drafted. He was drafted late by the Packers and he was cut in training camp. So for the Packers, he was effectively a nobody. Uh, he was gone quickly. He ended up playing locally. People say that he did that because he wanted to be recognized by the Packers again and potentially be brought back into the team. Uh, but one thing is for sure that Randy Woodfield himself certainly identifies um, with his past and his past as a Packer. I'll explain that a little bit later. But, and th this is chilling stuff. You know, it's one of these podcasts. After this, I'm going to go and have a shower and try to wash this podcast off me because it's creepy, it's sordid, and a word of warning, it's not suitable for work or to have kids. So if you've got kids in the car or you listen on the way to work or whatever, um, I'm going to spare you the really bad details and I'm going to try to use different words. Uh, for some crimes um, and you kind of get the gist and on the outset I have to say I did research for this and I had timelines in and crimes quotes all of these things and I came across a brilliant article on Sports Illustrated so if you just type in Randy Woodfield that article will come up and then I, I 
you know, filled in my info with some great content from that article. So that's definitely one to go to if you want to read more um, and you kind of want uh, more detail on it, let's say. I will try skirt around the really bad stuff, but this guy was a heinous, horrible human being. And he's still alive. Um, he's still locked up. Um, and just a terrible, terrible guy. So I can't sugarcoat what he did. Uh, but certainly I can, you know, try spare the grisly details. Anyway, he became known as the I-5 killer. You know, they sort of pin murders on him from... He's only been convicted of one. Uh, but they pin murders from anywhere between 18 to 44. So we see him as kind of this guy who, you know, middle class background. Alarm bells started to ring a bit because one thing about Randy Woodfield is, is that he has an insane sexual perversion. So from a very young age, he's getting brought up with indecent exposure. Um, and his crimes later on are of an even more heinous nature along those lines. But from a very early age, uh, and there's no way to put it, he was exposing himself to women, the girls. And in fact, he was sent to therapy in high school. Um, and the therapist looked at it and said it was harmless. It was part of being a teenager. He was fine. Um, but we see later on that that's definitely not the case. Um, his high school team at the time kind of brushed over it um, and didn't want to talk about it. And again, he was 18. You know, his crime rap, his, you know, litany of stuff that he got done for was expunged. So when he went to community college and then he went on to play for Portland State, all of the things that he did were kind of, you know, brushed under the rug. They were expunged because he was he was overage. Went on to play for the Portland State Vikings. Apparently was a very good wide receiver, uh, good hands. But there's quotes in the Sports Illustrated article from Ron Stratton. Um, and he himself, a young guy, you know, trying to get on in the job. He was the head coach. He said there was one thing that he said when scouts came up to him, and that was that he was scared of being hit. So one thing that we see, you know, when an awful lot of serial killer is, is this charisma, this obsession with their looks, this narcissism, and certainly that seems to fit the bill with Randy Woodfield. Uh, he was narcissistic to a fault. Um, university described as a good-looking guy, he's a handsome fella. Um, but there was, I think the quarterback I read had said that he was more obsessed with his looks and how he looked as opposed to, you know, playing on the field and they said that that sort of you know fear of being hit certainly fit in with his sort of soft-spoken uh friendly and he was he's deemed to be quiet bit of an oddball um bit of a loner and you know it's always looked at when when these guys are brought up as like oh it was, no one ever suspected it what's weird about randy woodfield is is that you know for the amount of people that say he was quiet um he was unassuming there's other people on the other side that say he was kind of those things, but you could tell there was something wrong with him. You know, he was off in some way. He was a little bit odd. One of the quotes was coming up with that he would start these sort of random crazy conversation or statements off the wall. Um, and another thing that he kind of did was he separated himself kind of from the team and he'd always be popping in on the coaches and sort of making friends with the coaches or whatever. So some people are pointing to, you know, what is that that he needed, that guidance and that camaraderie. And certainly football was seen as a reason why he didn't commit even more heinous crimes that he would have been doing more had he not been preoccupied with football. Um, so high school, indecent exposure. He goes to community college, um, goes to Portland State. He ends up getting arrested a couple of times. Uh, one of those was for ransacking an ex-girlfriend's house. 
Uh, he was found not guilty by lack of evidence that comes in later as well. And he gets, you know, a litany more of indecent exposure raps. So by all intents, it's stated that Green Bay, you know, unaware of his past, which is unlike now where, you know, they know what these guys have for breakfast. They end up drafting him in the 17th round, which is the 428th pick of the 1974 draft. And he's offered a 16 grand contract to play for the year. Um, so to sort of put that into perspective, here's a guy. Uh, he went to Portland State. He was a wide receiver. He was meant to be fairly handy, but he was working in a burger chef restaurant in Oregon, where he was from at the time that he signed. And the roommates and his mates that were interviewed for this article and other ones were saying that it was such a massive deal for him. You know, he was going around telling everybody and they felt that he was under a ton of pressure to try and make it big. So he attended minicamp in Scottsdale, Arizona under coach Dan Devine. And he said to have been, you know, pretty optimistic about making the squad. And we'll see this later on. Um, and not to give you a spoiler alert, but he's cut. But he states that the reason he was cut was is because, you know, they were going more towards the run game and they didn't need his skills. And there's a guy called Fred O'Claire who was interviewed for, I think I believe it's Fox News a couple of years ago on the Mino uh, report. And he was saying that, you know, he was fairly handy. He was fairly good. And he was actually really surprised that he was cut. So, you know, he attends this mini camp in Scottsdale, Arizona. The team send him a first class plane ticket with a limo pickup to bring him to training camp in St. Norbert's. And he turns down the ticket and decides to drive up instead. Now, really chillingly, you can go onto YouTube and if you type in Randy Woodfield, you'll see that uh, Fox, or I think it's Fox anyway, that news report comes up and um, Minor goes around interviewing people. And the player who, uh, Fred O'Claire, who talks about him, he turned around and said that he got contacted by cold case investigators investigating the murder of a woman in Eau Claire, which would have been en route to camp and fits the timeline of when he was driving up. Apparently she was in, I think she was going to a university in Minnesota. Uh, she was hitching a lift and she was never seen again. So they interviewed him to see if they could get any info to see would Woodfield been involved in that. So the Packers Media Guide quoted Woodfield as 6 feet, 170 pounds. They timed him at 4.7 in the 40. They said, cuts on a dime, has good hands and catches well in a crowd, fluid and smooth, hustles and is a good jumper. So he tells friends in Portland that he's doing well. Uh, he, avoided, he avoided earlier cuts. As I said earlier in the podcast, Cliff Crystal interviewed him uh, when he was writing for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. And a quote from Ro Ro uh, Woodfield after they have this scrimmage with the Bears um, in July of 74, he says, quote, I'm pretty excited. I'm just really thankful for the opportunity. So there's various reasons why he was cut. We see that sort of it kind of comes from him is that, you know, they committed to the run game and that he wasn't needed. And then in that Sports Illustrated article, there's something alluded to that's kind of more sinister. But either way, he was cut on August 19th, 1974. So Fred O'Claire, uh, who was the guy that I mentioned earlier, he was staying with Randy Woodfield in St. Norbert's. And so he got cut just before Randy Woodfield. And they bunked together. So he turned around and said to Woodfield, hey, why don't you stay with me and Oshkosh? You can play for the Manitowoc Chiefs, which were a semi-pro team, and you can stick around and play some ball. Why not? Woodfield ended up staying with him. Um, and he hoped that by being close to the Packers that they might see him and sort of re-sign him. Uh, it never happened. 
And Eau Claire in that interview on YouTube refers to him as a bit of a ladies man, but tells a story about him stealing um, and just being generally a little bit odd. So there's no official arrest record in Wisconsin for indecent exposure. But a detective quoted, and this is his quote, he couldn't keep the thing in his pants. So even he says that there are at least 10 cases of an indecent exposure across the state. Um, but Woodfield took it really hard that he got cut, headed back to Oregon, and it's reportedly then that his killing spree began. So at the age of 24, you know, he had the opportunity to finish a physical education degree at Portland State. He decided against it and took various other jobs. He used to go down to the college, university and work out with his old teammates. And there was a coach at the time who saw him and he was a you know, seemingly friendly chap. Uh, but some of the players come up to him and said, coach, steer well clear of this fella. He's strange. Mouse Davis was his name. So he avoided him. Um, you know, despite thinking he was kind of nice initially and he looked like an athlete, he stayed away from him. Uh, from that point on. So early 1975 swings round and Woodfield is arrested on a spate of sexual assaults and robberies and police even led a sting operation where they got female officers uh, to sort of pose as defenseless women and Woodfield went up to one of them with a paring knife uh, which ended up being an undercover female agent and so they nabbed them, arrested them and charged them. Now he blamed steroid use for poor impulse control and he was sentenced to prison and he ended up serving four years um, and being released in 1979 like you know up to this point on austerity details i mean these crimes are pretty alarming and pretty heinous um but it didn't stop when he got released his psu teammates of throwing him a prison release party Again, here's a guy, um, super narcissistic after he gets out of prison. He's worked on his body even more while he's in prison, has a muscular physique, so much so that he has a propensity of mailing naked pictures of himself to women. And he even sent some to Playgirl magazine and they got back to him and even said that they'd feature him in one of their magazines. However, he was never to make it because in October 1980, Woodfield murdered his first known victim, a woman by the name of Cherie Ayers. So police found her um, sexually assaulted, bludgeoned to death in her apartment with knife wounds to her neck. Woodfield had met her at a 10-year high school reunion a couple of weeks earlier, and that's how they reconnected. And people sought him out and about, and so he was initially brought in for questioning. But lack of evidence, um, lack of reliable DNA testing, he was released. He went on to murder again two months later. He executed a friend's ex-girlfriend and her boyfriend and was questioned over those murders of Darcy Fix, who was the, the woman, and Doug Altig. But again, released due to lack of evidence. They were in their early 20s. After that, in December of 1980, there was a spate of robberies by a man wearing a fake beard and some described as either athletic tape or a band-aid over his nose. And only a month later, in January 1981, there was a gruesome sexual assault and murder of Sherry Hull and an assault and attempted murder of Lisa Garcia. Both of these women were cleaners. They were working at night um, in Transamerica uh, offices in Kaiser, Oregon. Um, he'd intended to kill the two of them. Um, he'd shot the two of them in the back of the head after assaulting them. 
Um, and this was his modus operandi. He would do it execution style. So he would, most of his crimes are of initially a sexual nature. And then he will attempt to execute his victims. And he tried to do that um, to Cherie and Lisa. Cherie unfortunately died. Um, but Lisa Garcia survived. She played dead. He left. And then she called the cops. Um, and there's a story of the cop on his way to the office. And he sees an athletic looking guy about a mile away. But he deems that, you know, this guy is too far away from the crime scene. Didn't think anything of it. But when he heard Lisa Garcia's description, he was thinking, you know what, that, that could have been him. So after, um, you know, these robberies and uh, everything else, he's nicknamed the I-5 Bandit. Because his crimes all along the I-5, I mean, he goes from, you know, the bottom of a, the bottom sort of what do we call it, the southwest of America, all the way up the I-5 to Canada. So they nicknamed him the I-5 Bandit at this point because all of his crimes were located, you know, on it or two miles off the interstate exits all the way across the, the West Coast Highway. So in February 1981, his crimes become even more disgusting and heinous. And most of the details I'll spare you. But it resulted in the murder of a 37-year-old woman Donna Eckhardt and her 14-year-old daughter, Janelle Jarvis. The crime was in between two, again, horrific um, sexual assaults in Reading and in California. Um, if you want any more details on those, again, you can read the articles, but I'm certainly going to spare you. Um, the spree continued. Um, and according to different sources, I mean, this guy racked up, up close to 44 murders, it's alleged. Um, he was eventually caught by homicide detective Dave Komenek, uh, through witness descriptions, uh, Lisa Garcia played a massive part in that to be able to identify him, but more so because he'd commit these crimes and then he would go to a payphone within a mile or a couple of miles and make calls. So between the description, uh, between the payphone call logs and that sort of put him close to the crime scenes and also his photo was picked out from a suspect lineup and then police said, fine, we have enough for a warrant. Uh, they went to his rented accommodation where they found tape that matched what was used to tie up victims during these crimes and also a spent bullet casing in one of his gym bags. So despite, you know, colossal amounts of evidence against Randy Woodfield, um, he still pleaded not guilty in March 1981. So although there was a litany of indictments charged to him, the state of Oregon only charged him with the murder of uh, Sherry Hull, uh, the attempted murder and sexual assault of both women and uh, the attempted murder of Lisa Garcia. And there was a few other crimes as well that I, I won't even mention that were on his, his rap sheet. It comes up as close as 2005 where they've pinned cases, cold cases on Woodfield through the use of DNA forensics, which have gotten much better. Um, but all districts have decided not to pursue uh, further charges. You know, they put down the cost to the state, certainly at the time of these crimes, the cost um, to the state of Oregon was too high. Um, also, you know, the DNA evidence at that time wasn't as solid as it is now. And also they don't want to traumatize the victims that are, you know, survived um, and also the families of those victims and the victims who unfortunately lost their lives uh, due to all of these murders. But they did say if he ever comes up for parole, uh, well then they will certainly try these cases so they've kind of put them on notice so you know amount of evidence against them DNA evidence he's picked out of a lineup Lisa Garcia stood strong during the trial 
at the time. But the only real defense that he puts up is mistaken identity. So, you know, he sits there in the witness box um, giving evidence and he's, you know, apparently a shadow of his former self. He's not looking so big and imposing the way the media have sort of made him out to be. He's very soft-spoken. Um, but despite all that, he's convicted after only three and a half hours by the jury. And the sentence is 90 years uh, added on to a life sentence. He was 30 years of age when charged. So one thing allegedly remains true about Randy Woodfield, and that is that he is unremorseful. Um, you know, despite these cases being open and shut, that he's a murderer, he's a serial killer, he hasn't shown a shred of empathy or accountability or remorse for his crimes. There was a woman by the name of Anne Rule who wrote a book called The I-5 Killer on Woodfield at the time. And she details all of these murder murders and alleged murders and pulls up all the evidence. And it's it's meant to be a really, really good account um, of Randy Woodfield and his, his heinous spree. And when she brought that book out, he tried to sue her for 12 million quid. And he ended up losing that case as well. And an interesting backstory, Anne Rule, she's, she's dead now. Um, but an interesting story about Anne Rule was is that she actually worked the charity work with none other than Ted Bundy. And she's on record as saying that, you know, had she been a little bit younger, had her daughters been a little bit older, that she would have seen Ted Bundy as the perfect man for her or for her daughters. So, I mean, if you want to talk about anybody who has some sort of like first-hand knowledge. She wrote a book about Ted Bundy as well. I think it's called The, the Stranger, The Murder Beside Me or Murder Beside Me and The Stranger Beside Me, I think, if you want to look that up. So, I mean, she's came into contact with serial killers who have been touted for narcissism or good looks or charisma, which again is a real bone of contention with people to refer to these monsters as any of those things. So Woodfield as well, I mean, you know, the Packers, he was on the, you know, he was drafted, he was given a contract, he went to training camp, and he was cut. Rightly so, the Packers, I guess, would want nothing to do with this guy. Um, but it doesn't seem that it's reciprocated because Woodfield apparently hauled around, you know, every piece of correspondence that he got from the Packers. He still apparently waxes lyrical to anybody who's going to listen to him about his time playing football and the time that he was, you know, drafted with the Packers and his time, albeit limited, in Green Bay. Um, and, you know, there's stuff in that Sports Illustrated article about how he kept the ticket stub or the, the plane ticket that they sent him to get him to Green Bay. Um, so he had that on him. It's just really sickening stuff. And at the end of the Sports Illustrated article, as the thing that really strikes me was that Woodfield, although he clammed up, like he'd, he'd talk and wax lyrical about football and all of this type of stuff, but he would clam up completely when you start to get into more of his, um, I don't know, the news report called it a dark side. It's a disgusting serial killer sociopathic psychopathic whatever you want to call it side um and he he wouldn't talk about it but he created a myspace page in 2006 and this is how he identifies himself on that page he said that i spend the remainder of my days in prison because i have committed a murder along with many other crimes i once tried out for the green bay packers the only reason i didn't make it is because the skills i had to offer they didn't need at the time, unquote. So again, this guy thinks that he would have made it based on merit, but only that they went a different direction with play strategy, that they didn't keep him around. So at the end of the day, the Packers cut this guy. And 
you know, maybe football was his way to keep him out of this type of disgusting behaviour that he had from high school all the way up. But I guess they don't really know when the spree started. They don't know if being a football player would have kept him out of these urges. Um, according to the articles and the news things, he still doesn't show a shred of remorse. And there was a, tech, a detective quoted that said, if you were to let him out, he would repeat offend. Um, is that he would go back to his old ways for sure. So a really, really chilling chapter that's associated to the team that we love. Not in any way, you know, linked um that the Packers didn't know about his background or anything like that. Um so it's it's really odd to me that, you know, there's such fantastic history, but then you have the likes of this story, which I wasn't aware of. Um so again, if any further reading, you can just Google his name and some of his um stuff comes up there. That Sports Illustrated article is absolutely fantastic if you want to check that out as well. It goes into um a lot of detail on you know, what type of guy he was, what association that he had with the Packers. You know, there was a Packers scout quoted in the article back in the day who said that he had no idea who he was and he didn't certainly didn't know he was going to be or he was linked to um, all of these murders as the I-5 killer. Again, the higher number of his of his kills, his murders were up around 44, the amount of assaults that I've seen, like there's countless assaults, potentially one of the most prolific serial killers uh, in US history. So yeah, anyway, next week, I thought I'd bring you that because it's just, it's a weird and crazy, fascinating um, chapter in uh, in history. Um, next week, lighter stuff, but for this week, that's it. You can get me on Twitter, um, at UK Packers. You can follow the group, at UK Packers. Get into the Facebook group as well. Off-season trundles on, but so do the uh, podcast and the content. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along. I um, hope you're enjoying them. Uh, do let me know and until next week next week go pack go